Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. This month we've been speaking about devoted, and uh, it's no accident that all these things go together with the whole vision moments, giving you a bit of a window into that. Some of those vision moments are about things that we've been doing for years. Last uh, Sunday night, we talked about Red Frogs. Tonight, about Hope. Both of those things are, well, Red Frogs, it's the 20-year mark this year. Uh, Hope, it's 27, I think. Uh, But, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been going. Everything in God is fresh. God is never boring. You're going to be in heaven for a really, really long while. And I'll tell you the one thing you'll never encounter in heaven is boredom. No one's ever going to go, not again. Do we have to see Jesus again? Do I have to sing more songs to Jesus again? Uh, No one's going to do that. Oh, is that the same old throne? Uh, I'm telling you, every single time it's going to be uh, a wonderful experience. I don't know what it is about the presence of God. I don't really understand how after year after year after year, it ne- you might sing the same song in the morning and you sing at night, but I'm telling you in the night, you'll hear something different. Uh, we're still preaching from the same Bible, but it's never boring. And there's something powerful about that. And tonight I want to speak to you for a minute about why I am a pastor. I've never spoken on anything like this, but that's a bit of a cutesy title because the real truth behind all this is tonight I want to recruit all of you to be pastors. So let's go to the third epistle of John, chapter 1 and verse 4. Now, that's not the gospel of John, as in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. As my grandfather said, hold the horse while I get on. Uh, It's actually one of the very short letters written by the Apostle, uh, Apostle John. So if you go to the back of the Bible, that's Revelation. Go to the book just before that, it's Jude. And if you go to the book before that, so the third last book is 3 John. 3 John's only got one chapter and we're going to read verse 4. Here it is. 3 John 1 verse 4 says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. One verse. I've got no greater joy than to hear that my children. John is not the evangelist that Peter was. He's not the Apostle Paul travelling around the world. John, if I read my scripture right, he's the pastor. He's the one who loves people. That's why the Gospel of John, uh, the whole theme of Jesus the shepherd just keeps coming up all the way through the Gospel of John because the word pastor comes from the word for shepherd. It means someone who cares for sheep. And when I understand that and I read that verse, I've got no greater joy and I go, hold a second here. This is the Apostle John who physically walked the earth with Jesus for three and a half years. He is there when Mary says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Jesus said, fill the pots up with water to the brim, go pour it out to the guests at the feast. And the very first miracle is not a miracle of fixing up someone's brokenness, but it's a miracle of abundance. It's a miracle of supply and the water gets turned into wine. John was there for that. When Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, John didn't hear about it because someone told him about it later. 
He's actually one of those people who climbed the mountain with Jesus and sat there and listened as Jesus said, blessed are, and all of those nine or 12 blesseds that appear in that passage. He's heard all of that. He's done the miracles. He was in the boat and he saw Jesus walking on the water. So when this guy says, I've got no greater joy, I don't know about the rest of you, that makes me want to stop because I think you mean no greater joy than miracles. You mean no greater joy than hearing the words come out of Jesus' mouth to your own ears. No greater joy than seeing the empty tomb. Your greatest joy is seeing people grow. And when I read that, I think there's a whole lot of the Christian life that if we're not careful becomes about uh, exciting moments rather than about exciting process. So let's go to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, come back a fair bit. Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, some of the other epistles. And in the middle of it, there is a six chapter book called Ephesians. And it's chapter four. And we read in here in verse 11. Here comes the thing about pastors. And I'm going to tell you why the office of a pastor, the role of a pastor in this whole uh, group of five is so unique. It's different to all the other ones. It says this, and he himself, capital H, capital H. So it's speaking about Jesus. And he himself gave. It's not a self-appointment. It's not something you can just wake up one day and go, I've got a career. I'm going to be a pastor. Uh, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Here's the list. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And I've heard a lot of teaching over the years about all of those. I've heard people teach the apostles the thumb because it interacts with all the others. Maybe that's so, I don't know. I think it's a mistake to start trying to find any label for your life. I've never been a great believer in labels. I've been a great believer in obedience to whatever God wants you to do. I don't believe you need to decide or make a choice between how God uses you. Let God use you in any way that the need in front of you needs. If you are with someone who needs teaching, then for goodness sake, be a teacher. If you need someone who needs to be one to Christ, then be an evangelist. If you need somebody who needs direction in their life and they're asking you for input, then be a prophetic person and start saying, Holy Spirit, what do I need to say to this person? What will be the right thing for them? If you need to take on the mantle of leadership like Amanda was talking about, coming into that role. Now, I don't think she'd say she's an apostle, but the apostolic ability to be able to have vision and to bring direction, she needs to take that on. She doesn't need to say, well, I'm sorry, I'm not those. You, you follow what I'm saying? I think all of the five are for all of us in some measure. You may not ever be called to the office of apostle, uh, prophet, evangelist, pastor or teacher, but every single one of us, I want you to get this tonight because it's foundational to what we're talking about. Every one of us needs to say, God, I'm up for whatever you want me to do and whatever needs need to be met, let me have that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me be a part of that for my life. But out of those five, the office or the role of a pastor 
is unique to all of them. Because when you read the New Testament, I can give you examples of every one of the four travelling, going from place to place, being somewhere for a while, then going somewhere other else. The office or the role of the pastor is unique in that the pastor stays with a group of people for a long period of time. You go, well, what does that matter for? Well, it matters because if you get to stay with people, you get to see people grow. And growing Christians are normal Christians. And doing life's journey with people, I think is a special privilege. My wife and I were for a period of time when our eldest daughter, so it's a long while ago, uh, we travelled as evangelists. So I preached in a different town of Australia or somewhere overseas every single week. Did it for a year and a half. And I saw God do miracle after miracle. Yeah, I, I can still tell you some of them. I'll, I'll never forget being down in Victoria and there was a man there who got hit by a golf ball. You go, well, so what? But this man had unending pain in his head. Never stopped ever, ever since he got accidentally hit by a golf ball into his head. I'll never forget a lady uh, on the Gold Coast who when I gave the word of knowledge about someone similarly with unending pain in her head, she began to scream at the top of her voice. There was, I don't know, several hundred people in the room and she began to scream. I didn't know her, never met her, didn't know anything about her. But as she began to scream, people around about her that knew her began to lift their hands and began to praise God. After the hubbub uh, settled down a bit, I went back to her with the microphone. I said, what on earth is going on with you? She told everybody there, and this is a woman in her early 20s, mid-20s. Uh, at one stage, her parents had found her with a knife trying to cut open her head to let the pain out. Such was the torment she went through on a daily basis. And that night, God instantly healed her. But you know what? I've never seen her ever again. This week, I got a phone call from Janelle, Janelle Taylor. She rings me up. I prayed for her. She had a hole in the heart. I prayed for her in Warwick, 35, 38 years ago. She was only a child. Uh, Janelle has Down syndrome. And she rings me up and tells me, you know, that she still loves the songs I used to sing. And she's got a cassette of me singing A New Way of Living. And she plays it all the time. And she tells me about the trophies that she's got for swimming and all the stuff that's going on. She rang me up this week. Uh, but she's the rare one. Most of the others, I never get to hear from them ever again. And can I say to you, I, I understand what the Apostle John was saying when he said, I love being a pastor. I love getting to do life with people. I think if you, you can live on all the podcasts and there's better preachers and greater preachers and more famous preachers than me for sure. But can I tell you something you'll never get? if your only spiritual input is podcast. I'm not saying this for you here because you're here, uh, but I'm saying in a world that's kind of going, you know what, I don't need people anymore. The truth is you actually do. There's some things you'll never get just by listening to a message. You'll never get some of the life interaction that occurs when you start journeying with other people. Romans 12 verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. And if it stopped there, we would lose half of what 
we are meant to have in life. Because you know what? It doesn't just say rejoice with those who rejoice. It says rejoice with those who rejoice and, and weep with those who weep. Can I tell you, there's nothing so precious as being able to be a part of the painful moments of people's lives. Someone who's struggling and you get to walk with them. Because I've discovered that every human ends up there sometime. Whether it's in their family or their health or their finances, their business, their personal life, their emotional life. I don't know anybody I know of that hasn't gone through some of that on their journey. And when you get to do life pastoring people, you get to walk not only through the high points and the bits that everybody wants to talk about, but you get to walk with people through some of the difficult spots. And the joy of all relationships is in the journey. I said last week a profound statement. I don't know whether you got it because I didn't have it written down. It just came out of my mouth. But uh, I remember saying this. I've thought about it all week, that your destiny is inextricably linked. Just tell them I'm busy. Is inextricably linked with other people. In other words, your destiny is tied up in your connections or the connections that are coming to you. And so when it comes to relationships, the joy of all your relationships is in the journey, not just in the moments of celebration. Think about this a minute because you've heard, just heard Amanda talking about hope. Do you know what hope is? Hope is the pastoral ministry of this church to the broken. That's all it is. It's not a food agency. It's not a giving financial support to people. That's not what it is. It's pastoring people. It's saying to people, we want to go on the journey with you because we believe God's got something better for you and more powerful for you than simply uh, your life looking like it is forever. Now, not everyone's called to the office of pastor, but I believe every single Christian is called to pastor other people. I really do. Mark was talking this morning about transform. Mark will not tell you he's a pastor. Matter of fact, he'll tell you he's not a pastor. He'll tell you about some of the people early in life who made him feel less than needed by God because he wasn't one, uh, most likely. But you know what? Here he is today and Andrea and their team of people. And you know what they're doing with 10,000 people in Cambodia? They're pastoring people. Now he's Mr. Mark. He's not Pastor Mark. Does that make a difference in the eyes of God? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure how that works, but I think man gives you titles because it helps man to kind of figure you out a bit. I don't know that God does that as much as we like to think He does. So let's jump into what does it look like? I'll be finished in 15 minutes from now. Get ready, Speedy. Let's talk about you signing up tonight to say, I'm going to pastor people. What do you got to do? I'm not going to talk about Bible college. I'm not going to talk about how much of the Bible you know. Do you have all the answers? I'm going to talk about a few other things though. Acts chapter 9, book of Acts chapter 9, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Acts chapter 9, 9th chapter, 26 through to 28. If you don't have a Bible, go talk to them at the Connect Hub. They'll show you how to download a free Bible app. Really good one, by the way. Uh, to your smartphone, whatever, or they'll give you a paper Bible. We still have those. They're very old-fashioned, uh, but you can read them and they don't run out of battery. 
Acts 9 verse 26 says this, And when Saul, now that's going to be called Paul, but right now he's just Saul, the persecutor of the church, who just got massively converted. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Can you imagine that? He's encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Bright light falls to the ground, hears a voice, and nobody else believes him. Matter of fact, they don't want him in church. None of them are inviting him to the home. None of them are saying, tell us about what happened to you. They're actually saying, buzz off. We think this is just a con job. We think you're trying to trick your way to discover who the believers are so you can chuck more of us into jail. Verse 27, watch this. But Barnabas, aren't you grateful for all the buts that there are in the Bible? All the buts. Nobody wanted to join themselves to Saul. Nobody opened the door. No one puts out the welcome mat, but one person, Barnabas. Now here's what you've got to get. Barnabas is not an apostle. He's not one of the 12. He never got voted in. I don't know if he was in the upper room. We're not told whether he was or he wasn't. He's not an apostle. He's not even a pastor. He's not even a deacon. He's not one of the seven that gets picked. Somehow or other, this is, well, I'm just going to call him random Christian. Somehow or other, random Christian, random Christian, not a pastor, took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he'd spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Verse 28, the result of random Christian pastoring somebody. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. This guy's ministry, worldwide ministry, takes off because random Christian starts pastoring him. Is that not amazing? I think it is. I think about that and I go, well, who's waiting for you to help? You know, I've been around long enough, people go, well, unless the pastor prays for me. Only, you know, it's got to be the pastor. I go, really? But what about all the other six billion people on the planet that God is sending you to and you're saying, here am I, my Lord, send him. Here am I, my Lord, send him. Here am I, my Lord, send him. He has been to Bible college and I have not. Here am I, my Lord, send him. And God's going, what do you think you're there for? Come on, are you with me here? So if you were thinking tonight you're off the hook because it's about being a pastor, think again, baby, because I'm gunning for every single one of you. You that got baptised last Sunday night, thank you. I'm thrilled. Congratulations. Hope you've had the best week of your life. But can I say to you, I don't care if you're one week out of the tank, you are meant to start pastoring people. Amen. Come on, are you with me here? You're meant to start pastoring people. Don't kind of go, well, yes, but you know, mm, till I have the sanctified head massage, I can't start. Yes, you can. But so if you want to know that joy, which to me, honestly, it is the, if you ask me, what's the biggest joy of your life? Preaching to thousands. No, it's not. My biggest joy is when I hear somebody. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I'll never forget Leash right there. The first Sunday she ever came to church. Because she's sitting over there about three seats in in the row behind the door. And after the service, she's weeping 
crying and I go up there and I said, are you okay? But somebody, random Christian from our team, never waited to be appointed, anointed and then disappointed. <laughs> Someone random from the team was already sitting there chatting to her and thank God for all the yes texts and whatever else that when she came back, because none of us knew, we never saw her for a while. She'd gone back to Sydney. I hope you don't mind me telling everyone this, but it's too bad I'm onto it now. Uh, she comes back from Sydney and I'm looking at her and I'm going, what? Matter of fact, I think the first thing I said to you was, what happened to you? And she said, those yes texts every day are like God speaking to me. Isn't that what you said? And I go, random Christian, think about it. Who's waiting for you this week? Huh? Who's the one? Who's looking for you? Oh, but Jeff, Jeff, I don't know very much. Well, none of us know enough. Michael Parthas leading Alpha and he doesn't even know. I was disappointed. He doesn't even know all the answers. I was going to come and ask him. How do you, okay, let me tell you quickly in the next 10 minutes, nine minutes flat. Here's, if you want to do this, what are you going to do? Here's number one. Number one, number one, absolutely, write this down, number one. Put it on your smartphone, read it this week. Look for the good in others. Boy, that's rocket science. But that's what pastors do, or should do. We're supposed to look for the good in others. You know, Jesus talks, you know, isn't it interesting, Jesus is never called the great preacher. He's never even called the great leader. He's called the great shepherd. Huh? That ought to tell you something about where he thinks pastoring people is at. And when, it, when we're told in Luke 15 about the sheep that gets lost, the shepherd doesn't go and give it a lecture. The shepherd goes and finds it, puts it on his shoulders. Why? I'll tell you why. Because it's worn out. Because it's wandered so far away. It's dehydrated. It hasn't had any good food. It doesn't need a thou shalt not. What it needs is someone to come beside it and pick it up and carry it for a bit. Amen. And if you're the kind of person who you've already separated the entire world into the wheat and the chaff, you've already made up your mind which groups of people you despise, those people that are far away from God, because look at that problem they've got. They're disgusting. May they forever be tortured. Uh, if you've already made up your mind, you're going to be no good at this at all. Because God will, on purpose, send you to the very people you like the least. They'll, listen to me, they'll come and become a new employee in your department at work. And you're going to be going, but God, I don't like them. And he goes, that's why I sent them. Learn to start looking for the good in others. Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6, for the sake of time, I'm not going to turn to all of these. It says this, that the communication of your faith will become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. How many people here have ever worked out that nagging never brings change? How many of you haven't figured that out yet? You're still trying it out to see if it'll work. Hello, get married and try it. Because husbands and wives love being nagged. Amen. Just give me a witness. Anybody here just goes, yep, I love it when someone's always telling me what to do. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking. Just checking here. Some of you, this is a revelation and your take home for the night. Look for the good in others. Amen. Your parents aren't all bad. Go home and give them a compliment. Shock them. 
Go on tonight. Come on, go on tonight. Ring them up. Send them a card. Go, you know, I want to say thank you. You've been amazing. No. But just make sure the fibrillator is close by. Huh? Go to your boss at work this week and say, can I just say how brilliant it is to work here and I love my job. After they clutch their heart, they'll say, what do you want? And you say, nothing. I just wanted to say thank you. And they'll go, really? Amen. Are you looking for the good in others? Because right now the world's got nuts. Right now the world's got nuts. The world right now is nuts. The world right now is super crazy nuts. And everybody's blaming everybody. I've heard every conspiracy theory under the sun. You know why? Because when something bad happens, everybody in the world wants someone to pin it on. I've heard, I'm not even going to go there. Really? I heard the story today about uh, it was Gordon and Iris Stafford, lovely, beautiful people living in a retirement home in our church. She said to me, you know, this week, she said, I heard the doorbell ring. Gordon goes to the door. There's a, a lady of Asian background standing with packs of toilet paper. And she said, would you like some toilet paper? He said, how much is it? She said, no, it's free. I'm just coming to give it to people I think might have need. Now, you won't hear that story on the news tomorrow. But you know, there's so much good going on. Come on. Here's number two, quickly. Be an encourager. Anybody here after more critics? You don't have enough? Not enough people are bagging you out. You're going, look, really? I've got to be a bit nastier so I'll get more criticism. Just Because if you raise your hand, I'm praying for you because you have a massive problem. Be a bringer of hope to people. We're not called to be the spiritual police. doesn't mean we shouldn't address issues. But Romans 15 verse 13, I will turn to that one. Just quickly, Romans, because we're in only an act, so it's only got to go over one, uh, one book. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now watch this. That you may abound in hope by the Holy Spirit. Ready? Are you watching? Now may the God of hope fill you. When you've got skills, you've got skills. <laughs> now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And if it stopped there, that would be the verse. But you know where I'm going next, don't you? It says that you may abound. That's what abounding looks like. Sorry, Leah. Abounding looks like this, that you've not only got enough to fill you, you've got enough for everybody else around about you. Is that, come on, are you with me? Is that the way you live your life? If I go to your workplace and they go, oh man, we just love working with. They're always so up and so confident and they encourage us. Or do they all hope you'll quit? <laughs> hey, come on, hello. Did the people in your neighbourhood, are they hoping you'll sell up? When they see the for sale sign, they go, woohoo! Hello? Come on, this is real stuff here. Come on, what's your life look like? Are you abounding in hope? I don't mean that you're happy, clappy, and everything's beautiful and blue, little, little, little. 
Abounding in hope means that there's more than enough. Here's number three. Number three is be consistent. If you want to be a pastor to people, be consistent. Anyone can be helpful occasionally. Even a watchdog will occasionally wag its tail. And occasionally bite you. Huh? Proverbs 20 verse 6. I'll jump there quick. It's in the middle of the Bible. Easy to find. Proverbs 20 verse 6. It says this. Most people will proclaim their own goodness. But who can find a faithful or a consistent person? Are you there? Most of us aren't. I'm not perfectly consistent either. Ask any of my staff. No, actually, go and ask them. They'll go, oh, yeah, he's amazing all day long. He just seems to walk in the cloud of God's glory. Hallelujah. No, don't. But if you're going to be a pastor to people, can you be relied on or are you a moody person who one day wants to help and the next day is like, I'll buzz off. Got my own problems. Here's number four. Fourth thing, be teachable. Be teachable. God will never, not can't, God will never use you to adjust to others if you can't be adjusted yourself. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. Just jumping over there real fast. I'm going to be finished in just one shake of a dog's tail. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own? Huh? Jesus says, you're going around there looking for the dust and you've got a great big log sticking out of yours. Huh? Can you be adjusted? Can other people bring adjustment or are you Christian prickly pear, Christian porcupine, Christian spiny anteater? Number five, last one. Build people around Christ. Not around you. I don't know about the rest of you here, but I do not know a human who hasn't failed me. My wife's sitting in the front row and we've been married, what is it, 41? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. I move on fast. Uh, We celebrated, it was great. My birthday was last week. I've moved on. But you know what? I don't know a human. I know I guarantee I've failed my wife. So I don't want to build people around me or my personality or my style. I want to build people around Jesus Christ because he's the only one in my life that's never failed me, ever. Amen? Amen. Do you want to be a pastor? Here's the way you do it. Look for the good in others. Secondly, be an encourager. Thirdly, be consistent. Fourthly, be teachable. Fifthly, Build people around Christ, not around yourself. Amen. How many people want to be pastors? Of course you do. Raise your hand. Everybody does. After I preached it, you all do now. I'm going to ask Pastor Hayden Glass. He's sitting here and uh, we love Hayden and all that Hayden is doing and the load that he's carrying. But I want to talk with you. I don't know you all here. And maybe some of you here need to make a step towards Christ, you need to say yes to him. Maybe it's the people listening on the podcast or watching, whichever one it is, uh, I'm going to ask him just to finish out the service in a minute with that. But before he comes, 
let me just challenge you. I guarantee that if you will take on the thinking of a pastor this week, forget the title, you may never get the badge. But if you will take on the mentality one, I reckon you'll be shocked at how many people around you need your pastoring. Doesn't mean you go around and say, thus saith the Lord. It means you go around them and start saying, can I help? By the way, and encourage them. It's amazing. Some of the people most anti-God that I've known have responded the best when they were genuinely pastored in the Spirit of Christ. They've said yes. Amen. So let me just pray for you right now. Father, for every person that's here, this week we're going to encounter all kinds of people who are uncertain, unsure, angry, confused, everything we can think of. And yet, Holy Spirit, you put us into their world so that we can represent Jesus, the great shepherd. So God, I pray that every single one of us in every part of those environments that a person with the title might never stand in. But Lord, you're going to put us there. I pray that we'll take on the spirit of a pastor and be devoted to caring for others. In Jesus' name, amen. We just have every head bowed and every eye closed. And You know, Pastor Jeff's been talking about the, the heart of a pastor and I think it can be pretty easily interchanged with the heart of a father. And when we talk about God, sometimes we talk about Him as our Heavenly Father. And so the Heavenly Father that I know, the Jesus that I know is consistent. He's an encourager. He looks for the gold or the good in people. And no matter what sort of relationship you might have had with your earthly father or your parent figure in your life, Jesus is the ultimate for us. And it's not a, it's not a crutch. It's not something that you only lean on in the bad times. It's someone that walks with you every single day. It says in the Bible that although Jesus is not on earth, he's left his Holy Spirit with us and to walk alongside us and to encourage us and to be with us. And for those of you who are Christians in this place, you understand what that has meant for your life in the good seasons and the bad seasons. But maybe you haven't taken that step yet. Maybe you haven't prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to come alongside you and be the Lord of your life. Then I want to give you that invitation right now. Or maybe you're someone that you have prayed that prayer before and you meant it with all your heart and you lived that out to the best that you could. But for whatever reason... Weeds took hold and lies took hold and maybe you just thought you could do it on your own and that's okay. But today you can draw a line in the sand and come back to Jesus. He's never turned his back on you. He's never closed the door on you. He's just waiting. And so if you like, if you fall into either one of those categories, then I'd love to pray with you. And I'd love to introduce you or reintroduce you to Jesus the Father heart of God that will come alongside and walk with you and talk with you and lead you and guide you in every season. Is there anyone like that tonight? I'd love to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to help you. 
not going to make you come out the front or anything like that. I just want to be able to acknowledge the people that I'm praying with. Then, Father God, we thank You that You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our life. We thank You that You are our Father, that we can run to You like little children, like Andrea talked about before, that You'll just embrace us and, and we could just sink into the trusting, loving arms of our Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just look this way and for those who are watching online as well, we have a, a way that you can uh, take that journey. Uh, Pastor Jeff talked about our Yes text and the impact that it's had on different people's lives. And I know personally me, I've loved getting them every single day. Just that reminder, that scripture to meditate on, but also the prayer that comes with it as well. So it's really simple. You just text Yes to the number that's on your screen right now, 0488. 826-392 and for the next 30 days we're going to send you a text message that fits on the smart, uh, the screen of your smartphone and it's a scripture and a prayer relating to the scripture and you'll get that at 7am every day and at the end of that series uh, you're invited to continue on with our mini series about the Holy Spirit that I talked about before or Jesus or God or church and tithing and all those different areas of Christian living and it's totally free and we don't harvest your details for anyone. It's something that we totally do in-house here. If you don't have access uh, to a smartphone or you're not in Australia, then you can uh, go onto our webpage, yes.metrochurch.org.au and you can receive the exact same information uh, by email. It's just another one of those strands that you can get discipled, that you can grow in your Christian walk. We talked about the online discipleship course before. Michael talked about Alpha. We think there's six ways that you can be discipled on top of being in church on a Sunday. Gathering together is good for you. It's helpful for you. 